This is the Kingdom Link Podcast. Wherever you are, whatever your age, no matter your calling, we invite you to join the Kingdom Link. Now let's get connected with a brand new podcast. Welcome everybody to the Kingdom Link Podcast. Man, we are really excited for this because this is not just your stereotypical original episode. This is a bonus episode. Many of you know that we are in our series of battle strategies with the seven churches of Revelation, but this is going to be a little bit different because we have a great friend with us today. We are so honored to have Dr. Joel Rivoli with us again, who is a great friend, not just of our family, but of this podcast. So Dr. Rivoli, it's an honor to have you on the Kingdom Link episode today. Happy to be here this afternoon. Brother Rivoli, it is so good to see you again, and uh, we definitely do appreciate you coming. And so today, on this bonus episode, we are going to just simply be three guys, three ministers, two ministers, and one doctor. <laughs> yes, sir. However it goes. <laughs> uh, around the table talking, talking ministry, talking Absolutely. life. And uh, we are delighted to have uh, Brother Reveille with us. He is a full-time evangelist preaching for us on this Resurrection Sunday. And we're glad that you're here, and thank you for that that opportunity to again uh, sit, sit down with us and do a podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about just a little bit, we talked about a little bit earlier, but our connection with you and your family. Yes. Because we had mentioned before that obviously dad had went to the Bible college that your father was a professor at. Right. And so was Bishop Gill. Yes. Uh, Pastor Fred Gill was also yes. a professor at Apostolic Bible College in Memphis, Tennessee, many years ago. Once upon a time, the ALJC had a Bible college there for about 20 years. My dad taught Genesis and Revelation. He taught the first book, a class on Genesis, and the final book of the Bible, a mm. class on Revelation. And he loved doing that. And uh, he was honored to be there for two decades of his life. And there, there was a young student there who was feeling the call to evangelism, and his name was Brother Tim Gill. Yes. who is now <laughs> Pastor Gill here that I am with this podcast in. That's been a few years ago. Few. Now, uh, I will say this about your dad's Genesis class. Um, it really opened up my, my, he had a way of opening up your passion to want to study scripture. It's what a good teacher does. A good teacher doesn't just give you information. They give you the, they give you the, the desire to, hey, I want to go dig more because Often he'd leave us with more questions than he did answers. And Genesis is such a dynamic book that it was full of more questions. And, and, uh, but certainly enjoyed his, his uh, teaching, and uh, he was such a great man, and we do miss him, and my dad as well, but we, we miss them. He, he taught me many things through the years. My dad taught me a hunger for the truth in my life. One of my dad's favorite verses was Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. For as many as are led by the led. Spirit of God, yes, sir. they are the sons of God. So sonship, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy mm. Ghost, they are the sons of God. Being a child of God is tied to following the will of God, like the Israelites following that pillar of cloud by day through the wilderness. Mm. Mm-hmm. What happens if they stop following the pillar? There's no guarantee of their safety. There's no guarantee of their arrival at God's destination for their lives. But as long as they followed the pillar, they were eventually going to arrive at the placement of God. You know, I think that uh, we put a lot of emphasis on believing, and we should. Amen. But believing without obedience Mm -hmm. is pointless. That's the O word of our modern era, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Uh It sure is. Well, I believe obedience and submission go hand in hand. I heard it famously said that submission begins when agreeance ends. And so I, I've felt that personally in myself, not just with, you know, God, obviously he has stepped on my toes frequently and he should. And that's when I know I'm being corrected, but also in a pastoral role, whenever I'm under my father there as pastor, it's been different with him being my dad, but that understanding of, even though I don't agree, sometimes it's in my best nature or it's my best order to follow what he's saying and what God's wanting me to do. And let's talk about how that principle applied to the politics of the first century 
the New Testament times. Mm. We live in a democratic political system, which was a rare bird in the ancient world. It was practiced locally in one city, I believe the city of Athens, the Athenian democracy in the ancient East there in Greece. But overall, the Roman government was an empire. They had an emperor. Yeah. Yeah. And so the theory of having your individual freedom is a very modern concept. More so in the ancient world, every reader of the Bible for many, many long years up until the modern era of the Enlightenment would have read those scriptures about obedience and submission just like they were eating their Cheerios for breakfast. Mm, It would have been second nature. You have to stay under the authority of the king. If If any official of a king in the ancient world or in the Middle Ages would have stepped outside of the directives of that king's pronouncements, Mm -hmm. then that official would have lost the authority of the king in their office. That's a powerful revelation that shows us so much about understanding culture and Mm -hmm. time setting Mm -hmm. of scripture and what they were dealing with and what they understood. Absolutely. We, We are... We are in no way understanding government like they understood government. Amen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, uh, uh, especially when it's a um, a theophany that uh, it is a theological uh, government and order rather than just simply a Democrat or a Democrat Republic or right. imperialism or anything like that. It is a king and a kingdom. Yes. Right. And they had an understanding of that because Rome was the very first uh, empire that didn't captivate the people and bring them back, mm-hmm. but rather they went and colonized where they were. Right. True. And it's interesting that Christ came at the right time to present his church, which is a government right. word, to present his church to be his representatives right. in the world to go and do what? evangelize the world. Wherever you go, you go set up a colony of the kingdom. Romans seeded Romanism wherever they built up a Roman province. Romans built up Roman culture and Roman ways of life and got new Roman citizens in those new Roman provinces. It should be the same principle, in a sense, with us in the kingdom. Christians should seed Christianity Mm -hmm. and build new Christian citizens of the kingdom wherever we go. That's discipleship. Yes. Yes, sir. What I find so interesting is that the kingdom is being built in speaking of Rome was already established when Jesus came to set his kingdom in the earth, right? Whenever Jesus came to the world. But that... The idea is we have such a misconstrued and we've almost lost that idea sometimes, some of us, I'm saying it in quotations, that this is a kingdom. We don't serve a religion. I'm not a part of a religion. I'm a part of a kingdom. I'm not a part of this man-made idea of Christianity, again in air quotes, but that it is a kingdom. There is one head to all of this in which I obey, and his name is Jesus. Yes. And so that idea of what you were saying, Dad, that in the midst of Caesar and Rome, this king and kingdomness, is that Jesus came and brought a true kingdom that no one else could match, that mm-hmm. no one else could respond to. And, and it's so interesting that kingdom is one of my favorite topics to talk about and yeah. get into. But it's interesting that there's two things that are said, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And in, in understanding that kingdom of heaven has to do with territory. Kingdom of God has to do with his overall plan. From Genesis to Revelation, it's his overall plan interwoven with, with uh, humanity, Noah, Abraham, all the way through the, the, the Hebrew people to the church. It's all God's plan. And yet, when he says the kingdom of heaven, he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. He is saying, what is in the location of the original government? The original kingdom is in heaven. That's where the, wherever the king is, wherever his throne is, that's his territory. Amen. But he filled his church with his spirit mm-hmm. so that we could become now ambassadors, that we are outpost. Mm-hmm. We are now outpost with, with his kingdom and his authority. That's why he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Right. Because now we carry his authority 
and his power to go do that. He's, he said that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. And that's when he said, go. I want to jump in on one point you made about wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. This is why ancient world kings, including the medieval kings of England, would build castles and king's courts in multiple mm. different locations, say in Great Britain, because the king would, he was not everywhere all at once in England. Right. So every so often he'd go to this castle and he would hold court in that castle for a certain mm. number of weeks. Mm. There was no internet, there was no radio. No. So while the king was there, you could go before the king the king was in your country. The king was yes. in your area of the country. Wow. So when a revival is happening, when I'm in church, when the Spirit of God is flowing, yeah. the king is here right now. Mm. I can be healed. I can yeah. have my yes, need. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. In this Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. God. Well, yeah. that, that has a flip side to it as well because in those times in the first century and with this first kingdom of Caesar and stuff, what I find interesting is that it was one of those do this or you die, follow our agenda or you die. But in today's sense, we have freedom. I understand we have a president who is the quote unquote king of this country, if you would understand it that way, but we have free will. We have free Mm -hmm. voting. We have this, yet we still have the same mob mentality as they Mm -hmm. did in the first century and in the first church. I wonder why that is. And maybe that just speaks onto the human nature and to the sin of it. We have Mm -hmm. the opportunity. People are free to believe in what they do. But yet we still have the same mob mentality and the same anger and the same hate. I think part of that stems from the theory that the king was somewhere in Rome, in the Roman government. Mm -hmm. You had the emperor, whether it was Nero or Caligula or Titus. You you had people who were far away, and, and the average citizen thought, well, I can do whatever I want, but eventually... Eventually, mm-hmm. sedition would reach the ears of the governmental apparatus, mm-hmm. and it would get back to the Roman government, and it would get back to the king. And so while somebody might have a delay in their own personal judgment, the justice of the king coming to them, the delay did not mean that the king was not aware of what was transpiring or going on. So right. it's because there's a space of time in somebody's life where the king has not arrived at their door with the army to bring <laughs> you into captivity right. and judgment. It does not mean that God has given you a pass in that. Right. There's a space of grace, I believe, in that. Yes, mercy. Sir. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. sir. Well, you know, going back to that, wherever the king is, then wherever he is at, that's where his kingdom is. Well, he said, I will build my church, his ecclesia, who became his assembly, governmental assembly. Literally what I believe is that when the church gathers together, we become not just a worship center, we become a judicial center right? to carry out kingdom commandments, mm-hmm. to set kingdom, kingdom agenda. And it's interesting is that there was already an ecclesia with the Greek government that went over into the Roman government and now he uses, I love that Jesus will t- would, would take present day things and show his church. I love it. <laughs> a system they understood, and the Jews got this too. This is not original to me. This is, I got this from C.S. Lewis. I was reading a book by C.S. Lewis about the Psalms, and he describes about the Psalms. When the Psalms discuss judgment, you know, oh, we don't want to be judged in our modern culture. But judgment in the Psalms in the Old Testament connoted a civil matter and not a criminal matter. Mm. The mm. average judicial case was a civil judgment and not a criminal case okay. of somebody having stabbed somebody or murdered somebody. Right. Right. It was somebody had stolen the axe from my, my shed or mm. some this civil matter was going on or there was a marriage happening. There was mm. something like that. Um, a civil judgment is a totally different animal. In a civil judgment, yes, you are not the defendant who has been, you know, who is trying to fight for their life. You are the plaintiff. You have been wronged, and you're suing for heavy damages. And yeah. so judgment has a totally reversed Absolutely. connotation there. Yes. You're the plaintiff, and you're asking God, the judge, to award you damages because of the wrong done to you in your life. Wow. Judgment yeah. has a positive meaning in that case. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, the word, when, when Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Yeah, that's a legal term. Right. That righteousness is his is a legal term that, again, goes back to the courts of heaven and gives us, as kingdom citizens, right authority to live right, right. to act right, 
to have his 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 you know as a kingdom citizen we get rights we get privileges we get protection mm-hmm. and so you know it's it's really interesting when you say seek his righteousness a lot of people just think well that means i got to do this and do this and don't do that no it's i get his privileges i get his rights i get i get a blessings you know so i i think it's important to know praise god where we line up judicially as the church goes back to that authority we were talking right. about. Citizenship as a contract. If you do this, these are the privileges of citizenship. Yes. If you violate the laws of the kingdom, you lose some of the freedoms of citizenship, mm. Absolutely. which every government in the world of all time immemorial has always practiced. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, and I think it's so powerful that what we're talking about with the authority is that either we are born into this i believe uh, it was a bishop wilson that said you know people like us we were put in by the king's highway our parents were in this kingdom and then we became part of it through that but then there's also adoptees that came in that did not live in this but no matter where we came from no matter what your story is we all get something when we become a part of the kingdom and it is authority given to us by the greatest authority Mm-hmm. And when he was saying in, in Acts uh, 1 and 8, you, you uh, receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Mm-hmm. And w- w- uh, can you display what was that, again, in the Greek, Dad, the, the two well, p- forms of authority and then there's power? There's, there's two primary Greek words that deal with power and authority. The one in Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8, where right. you just quoted mm-hmm is dunamis, dunamis that's right which, which speaks of the action the the pow this thing happens root word for dynamite dunamis, yeah, dynamite dynamite yeah. and and yeah. what's interesting yeah. i just found this out the other day in studying that word uh, is that the word dunamis is the explosive power of influence huh. hmm. the explosive power of influence because the next word is you shall be Witnesses, right? So he gives us the power mm. to be influencers in the spirit realm because over in Paul's epistle to, I believe it is the Ephesians, Ephesus to Ephesus, but he talks about how that they that God uses the church to represent His manifold wisdom to the powers and principalities. Uh, in heavenly places, that we are actually influencers, if I can use that word, by the dunamis power into the spirit world. That's that's one uh, dunamis. The second one that is connected to that is uh, Zusu. Exousia. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Exousia is an interesting word because that's where authority comes from. And what I had explained to me by... a Greek scholar, he said it like this. He said, if dunamis is your gun, then exousia is your badge. That uh, you have the authority mm-hmm. to shoot the gun because you have the badge. That's why a man could be six foot one and a, and a speeding semi is coming at him and he holds up his badge. This little figure compared to this great big thing he's saying stop he's saying in this authority mm-hmm. and if you don't then i have something to demonstrate that authority right and so i think this is what is so powerful in the kingdom is that he went and you studied out they flow together when he said i give you power over all the power of the enemy mm-hmm. he said i give you exousia authority over ever dunamis power of the enemy Anything the devil mm-hmm. can produce, he said, I give you authority. We have authority Amen. to have influence right. over the enemy that I don't think we really understand. But the devil does. Right. Well, in that speaking of Acts chapter 1, when we were talking about the verse 8 where he says, you shall receive power, the conversation came up whenever they were asking, when is your kingdom going to be established again in Israel? Mm-hmm. And in verse 7, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, mm-hmm. but ye shall receive power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, what, it's exactly what you're saying is, is that God is demonstrating his power. You, you have your Bible app yep. open yep, up sir. that verse 
where he says the Father put it in his power and see what what Greek word that is there. I'm curious about that, on, on that. See, part of the modern liberal culture is to reverse all the authority of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Take Genesis 1, when God makes these statements to Adam, I've given you dominion, which is authority mm-hmm. and domain, same concept. Mm-hmm. I've given you dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over these and the creep. Like, he gives him a list of things that man is given dominion over, but modern liberal culture wants to reverse that and give those items dominion over man. Yeah, It's a reversal of the creation yeah. principles almost. And so the taking and the belief in God's authority undoes, so to speak, the poison of that belief, believing that God has total authority. Well, and, and, and really, Amen. that is the first, that's the original kingdom concept. Amen. The kingdom was set up then. Man lost it. I, 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 I'll, we'll get back to that word, but man, yeah. you've opened up a can of worms on the other But, you know where he said that, he said, I'm going to bless them. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. Right. Five things that were stated as a blessing, but they're also man's purpose. So there was more than one law in the garden, wasn't there? Yeah. And yeah. so when yeah. man fell yeah. and God kicked them out, the next thing we find this statement being made is after the flood. The flood, mm, when he right. comes out, when Noah comes out, he, he lists all these things, right. but he only lists four. Hmm. And there's one that is missing. Take my Bible out right now. <laughs> <laughs> there is one that is missing, and that has the word subdue. Wow. Okay, you, you've got be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and dominion is even listed. But subdue is not. The word subdue has to do with government authority in one's life. Hmm. Because subdue, from what I understand, is the primary verb in Genesis 1, 26. It is the primary verb, which modifies all the others. So everything that man produces from fruitful all the way through is modified by the overshadowing of subduing. If you have your life under God's authority. Under the submission, yes, sir. Right. Then that's, but that's missing in Genesis record when he comes out. Subdue is not there. Mm-hmm. The next place that we find that is back in Acts 1 and 8. This is kind mm-hmm. of the King Saul syndrome, isn't it, we're discussing, that King Saul wanted to have authority in God without being submitted to God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and you can't continue in that state of being having rebellious authority where you, you still have both hands on both items. You have mm-hmm. your own will and you have God's will, and you have authority in God, but you're unsubmitted to God. Mm-hmm. At some point, there shall come the judgment of God where you said, okay, the authority of the Lord ceases in that man's life. And, mm-hmm. that, and that manifested as him losing, in the eyes of God, royal kingship right there. Exactly. Right. And then there's a reason why Samuel said that rebellion is, and the King James is as italicized yeah. there, but rebellion is witchcraft. Yes. God mm. takes it seriously. Yes, sir. So Did you find, you find that word? Yes, sir. Where he's, the Father has put it in his own power? In Acts 1 and 7, when it says the Father had put it in his own power, power there is exousia. <laughs> so it says authority, yeah. but you shall receive power, dunamis, dunamis. dynamite. Yeah. After the, the so Holy the Ghost. Father is the one that has the power to give. Right. right. And, and then Jesus right. has all power. They're one and the I same, by the way. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, <laughs> but what I love about that is that the dunamis power can only be given by the one who holds the authority. Mm. Let me throw some science at this. Okay, you come know, on. What do you call a human cell that grows outside of the structure and the strictures of the body? Cancerous, wouldn't it? Bingo. Tumor cell, a cancer cell. So don't they don't they also call that rogue cells that they become rogue or where does that apply in in cancer that they like they're rejecting Essentially, a cancer cell has had its DNA altered and damaged. Cancer mm. happens when the DNA of that cell gets damaged, specifically not just any DNA inside of that cancer cell, but the machinery, the, the DNA that codes for the repair machinery. Mm. The DNA that codes for the repair machinery becomes damaged beyond repair. Yes, sir. So the mm. cell can no longer be repaired. Mm. Then it becomes a tumor. It is still present in the body, but no longer functioning as a member of the body. Mm. Wow. And its wow. DNA is now wow. different in the body's DNA. 
Wow. Speaking of DNA. Let's go here. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I, I, and I may be taking a, a curve. We're good. Right here. But um, before the podcast started, we, we were talking about dealing with atheists. Yes. Right. And, and I'd like to hear your take on uh, dealing with atheists. First of all, you need to know, I think our audience needs to be reminded what right. your degree is in. Qualification. And what what your science was sure. about. So uh, you went to Memphis. I went to University of Memphis, and I have a Bachelor of Science with a double major in mathematics and physics. Finished that in four years in Memphis, Tennessee. Then I went up to grad school, graduate school, at the University of Michigan in Arbor, Michigan. I was there for six years. I received a Master of Science in Physics and a Ph.D. also in Physics. So I do hold a doctorate degree in one of the hard sciences in Physics. And my specialty in Physics was... I can't hardly spell Physics, brother. (laughs) Before coffee, I can't spell either, brother. It's okay. We're all in that same boat. I wanted the people just to know a little bit about where your background is. And my subfield was Biological Physics, Biophysics for short. I researched as my undergrad thesis is the physics of uh, cell membranes, biophysics in DNA, was my grad school uh, my thesis. So I've researched in both DNA in grad school, for my thesis mm-hmm. there. In the undergrad, I worked on cell membranes, computer mm-hmm. simulations of cell membranes. I worked at St. Jude Children's Hospital on Danny Thomas Boulevard there in Memphis for about a year, and I did research in a laboratory there in the, in the Thomas Building on... HNRNPA2, on proteins involved in Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's, but to ALS. ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And so there was a set of proteins involved in ALS research you were looking at at St. Jude Children's Hospital there. So my specialty in subfield was anything biophysics. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, from that standpoint, how do you approach an atheist in an atheist situation that, that you're talking about? I demand to see their evidence. Fire their own question <laughs> back now. at them. Make them a fundamentalist dogmatist. Wait a second. I, I'm, all, I'm all poised for this great, yeah, that was a great, mic drop you know, moment. Yeah. All, all this wealth of information coming down. And, yeah. and you just dropped the mic from the very beginning, and that is, where's your evidence? Question mm-hmm. one, why do you not believe in the supernatural? Answer, they don't have a, a, a statement of evidence of disbelief in the supernatural. They have a statement of philosophy. It's not an evidential statement. It's Mm -hmm. a philosophical statement. I don't believe in supernatural because I want to accept what... That's a philosophical statement, not an evidential statement. They are Mm. an atheist because that is their dogmatic belief in their head. Yeah. Wow. Well, we have a lot of people today that have just jumped on board that seemingly... That, you know, they can tell you that there's this and there's that. And and then they, okay, they come back to you and say, okay, where's your evidence physically of God? Show me where the evidence of God is. I made this statement in the Apostolic Witness podcast earlier, and I want to make this statement Mm -hmm. again a second time. I was about to ask you to make this statement. My problem with skeptics is they are not skeptical enough of their own skepticisms. Mm. The doubter is not so doubtful very much of their own doubts enough. They don't question their own questions to the fullest extent. So fire back against the very doubt, skepticism, and question itself. Mm. Well, why don't you believe in the Bible, atheist? Why do you, what is your evidence against the Bible? Make them pretend you're an attorney and mm-hmm. they're an attorney. They mm-hmm. have presented a witness. Now cross-examine their witness. Good. You're in the court of public opinion. Go for broke. Wow. Fire yeah. back. Fire back, yeah. Mm. Question their questions. Why do you approach this system? Their their whole mantra is front-loaded into a framework of thinking. The question is framed so as to be based on the idea that they don't really think there is this and this and this. Fireback, well, why do you disbelieve in the supernatural? Have you seen evidence that disproves that in your life? Of course not. It's a philosophical, it is a dogma. Yeah. They are, in essence, also a religion of disbelief. You know, one thing that I've seen about a lot of atheists that seems to be prevalent is their anger. Hurt. I want to ask them this question, who hurt you? Right. I think it was James Dobson, Focus on the Family, that pointed out the theory of many atheists have a negative relationship with their father. 
And so that ne- mm-hmm. negative psychological relationship with their earthly father then is projected onto the heavenly father. Wow. Yeah. I saw one man, and he was one of these Facebook preachers that was at a college campus, and he was out there preaching. And one student said this statement. He said, well, if your God is all loving, then why would he ever send me to hell for not believing in him? And he said this, which I found very interesting, is God does not hate anyone. Obviously, God is loving. Right. He loves, but he will honor the decisions you've made in your life. God sent us the most famous book of all time in human mm-hmm. history. Yes. Directions set on how to make heaven your home. Yes, sir. He doesn't hate anybody. And he gave us a free will. Absolutely. Yes. To decide. And sends prophet after preacher, after man of God, after voice of God, mm-hmm. to try and pull that person's feet out of the fire. Mm-hmm. That's love, not hatred. Absolutely. And when somebody makes a decision in their life, I understand that our job is to teach everybody and preach the gospel. If they openly deny that for the rest of their life, then God will honor that decision and say, if you do not want to be with me in this life and you've made that decision for eternity, he will honor that decision for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think there's one idea more dangerous than atheism. Ooh. I'm going to get controversial here. Let's dive deep. Let's get, go. Get your waiters Absolutely. on. Okay. <laughs> Denominational Christianity. Mm. Mm. I've already made this statement as well. Denominational Christianity is buffet Christianity. Buffet. It's going to the buffet and grabbing, you know, the sweet and spicy shrimp and the lo mein, but ignoring the wonton noodles and, you know, the fried rice. You're just taking the pieces that you Mm -hmm. want. I encountered a variety of denominational Christians throughout my life, both as a scientist and in college as a student. And whenever I would quote, Pick, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 or Acts chapter 2 or 1 Corinthians chapter 14 on the Holy Ghost or spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Without fail, the same repeated statement. Well, brother, I believe that that chapter was written by men and it was maybe for that time or I read the Bible figuratively and not literally in that passage. No, you read the Bible kind of stupidly, actually. You're, read, <laughs> you're, you're, you're reading the Bible very picky. I right. mean, you're picking out what you want. Yeah, and then like, uh, like you're, not, you're not actually yeah. giving a good fidelity of Scripture here. What you're doing is saying, I like this part, and because I don't like this chapter, I'm going to ignore this chapter. It's the yeah. Religion of the ego, mm. yeah, and 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 of history, yes, because right. this is what was believed and passed down without looking at scripture and saying, "Okay, I'm going to go dissect it for myself." I was raised in this, but there came a moment where I had to go and find out. Absolutely, is this the truth? True. Mm-hmm. Is this the truth? And so I had to dig, and thankfully in my life I had people that questioned me. True. Mm. And my dad for my life. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. yeah, absolutely. But you know, you have to go find it out for yourself. So I think it's very important not to just take someone's word for True. it. I will tell you what I believe. And since we're out here on this limb, I will tell you what I believe is perhaps one of the most dangerous doctrines that is permeating denomination. And that is the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Yes, sir. Also called eternal security. Eternal security right. or yes. that there is a limited atonement. But that, Judas by transgression fell. But Demas hath forsaken me, having mm. loved this present world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, well, no. don't quote those scriptures. You know, they're, they're probably just, oh, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> well, the way I view it is that obviously we were given a roadmap to whatever problem we would ever have in our life in the holy word of God. And sometimes, like you were saying with denominal Christians, they get to a point where they pick and choose what they like, pick and choose what they want to apply to their lives, and then they just kind of brush aside whatever they don't like. And I heard it like this, and I really enjoy it. The parts that we don't like are usually because they're to convict us, mm-hmm. to correct us, to bring conviction. And I heard I had one friend who said, I loved it when God would correct me and convict me because that's when he would speak to me. And so sometimes what we don't like, I don't like my toes getting stepped on in the flesh, but I know that it is for my good. Right. And that's why yeah. I'm so thankful for the opportunity and the knowledge that we take God's word as it is. Yeah. Amen. Holy scripture. Perfect segue here into something here I want to broach with you all. God has been convicting me lately about preaching the full text 
of His Word. Yes. And so I have been on the subject personally in my own personal devotion times with God in the Bible and with prayer about what subjects are we not preaching enough of? Mm. Do have we have we generated pet subjects and have we generated sense no, no, wait, wait, just one second. Now, now we uh, uh, those of us that are of the uh, Pentecostal apostolic movement, <laughs> we do not have pet subjects that we talk about, do we? <laughs> I will no. leave it to the pastor to approach that one on there. <laughs> we would never do that, would no. we? And we should all repent after this podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, Paul said, yes. I, Paul said, I have not failed to give you but the whole counsel of God. Amen. And I do think that that there is a, a, a sheer uh, lack of understanding of Scripture. There's an illiteracy that has come with emotionalism. Uh, where as long as I can feel, and I can preach a little this or that, or I can talk a little bit of that, don't go me, don't go deep. I think it's important that we really dig to find out how we can be biblical, right? But do not divorce ourselves from the move of the Holy Spirit, right? right. And that's that, that's where I think that that there's a lot of people either you're all Bible and no move of the Holy Ghost, right? Or you're all move of the Holy Ghost and little Bible. That's why I love what you were about to talk and dive into is what is not being spoken of a lot, because then that makes me have the idea of what parts of God am I not seeing right now? It's only a partial view of God. Right. I read a book by C.S. Lewis years ago called A Grief Observed. His wife had died. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote a book, a a journal of his grievings. And he tells a story in in his grief journal that a friend came to visit him to mourn his wife with him. And he hadn't seen this friend in 10 years. And when the friend was there, he began to realize he'd forgotten all these eccentricities of his friend and verbal burbles and uniquenesses and quirks and tics of motion that his friend had had. He had idealized his friend Mm -hmm. and shaved off and beveled the rough edges of this man. He thought, if I'm doing that to my friend, am I also eventually going to do that to the memory of my wife who had died? And if C.S. Lewis was in danger of smoothing out the rough spots in memory of his wife, couldn't we do that to God sometimes? Can we bevel the rough edges of deity Mm -hmm. without Mm. meaning to? Mm. And that's part of why we have to believe the totality of this book, the Bible. So getting in this subject then, the point I wanted to make was when we go away and shy away from the fullness of the word and avoid certain chapters, that is the first step to denominational Christianity. We become more like denominational Christians when we start avoiding preaching certain chapters and certain subjects. Do you have some that come to your mind? Yes. One of them is alcohol. Wow. Being a college student of 10 years for all of our deep highfalutin subjects, (laughs) let me tell you what happens to college freshmen is rush week. Sororities and fraternities. You want to know how 90% of people backslide in college? It's the Greek life. It's the frats and the sororities. Where also they become participants in loose lifestyles and sexual perversion. And keggers, alcoholism. My senior year of college, we got a new roommate. I have a roommate that I had for several years in college, and we lived in a quad. There was two of us and then two of us that shared the same quad area. Well, in my senior year, a new young man moved into the quad adjoining us, and he was a freshman, and he had been a very sheltered young man. And when he got away from his parents, he decided, I'm going to become a sinner, a drunk. And very quickly, within three months, he became a binge alcoholic. After having had maybe one drink in his life, Mm. for all of the sins and issues we preach, to me, to me, alcohol is still almost the number one avenue that many youth find themselves on the outs of Christianity. Yeah. And for some odd reason, I don't hear it preached as much as other issues. And I've been going back and preaching more about alcohol and drinking here in the last couple of years. That is a that is a Joel sermon subject. Yes, sir. I think that's an important subject because we've watched it left and right over the years destroy people's lives, mm-hmm. yes. destroy their marriages, destroy yeah. ministries. Amen. And I do know that there is a move among people to just simply say, uh, you know, oh, a glass of wine at night. That's right. so dangerous. It's, mm-hmm. And 
And, you know, they will say things like, well, show me where that is Bible. Well, show me where that is wise. Who has woe, who has redness of the eyes. They tarry long at the wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Solomon said that yes. back in Proverbs. I mean, yes, yes, sir. Well, and we were talking earlier when we, uh, on the Apostolic Witness podcast when I said that God had used your education for the purpose of the kingdom. But then I also think that what you were saying with alcohol and that he also gave you those experiences in that college life. That's an experience I don't have. Because that's giving you insight to something that I don't have insight in. I've seen the other side, and I don't want to go there. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's what I think is so powerful about the the webs of God. Yes, and while I believe in Christian education, I have many friends who grew up K-12 through in Christian educational systems. I'm not against that. Right. But I'll tell you what secular college did for me as I saw the consequences of of worldly decisions by young people. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so even if someone does not attend secular college, see enough around you. Be observant mm. to see the consequences of worldly young decisions of youth. That's good. And, That's and good. What, being an older man mm-hmm. and looking at, at, at life is that what a lot of people don't understand is those decisions of college age impact your entire life. Absolutely. Yes. If you become a, uh, a alcoholic, yeah. you become a drug addict, it, it, it will forever yes. rule your life and destroy your life. Some people, I'll take it, leave it, take it and leave it. I'm going to tell you what, there's a spirit that comes with the inebriation. Mm-hmm. There's right. a spirit that comes with the hallucinogenic drugs. There's right. a spirit that comes right. because they're looking for entrance. Mm-hmm. And what happens is our gu- when our guard is down, the enemy's looking for entrance. Right. And I think, I think you know. The gap in the hedge. Mm-hmm. Yes. The gap in the wall. Absolutely. Well, and Brother Revely, I honor you because you are someone in our movement that I believe young people can look to and see as a success story, if I can call it that, that goes to a secular college, that goes and gets secular um, intelligence, but then still never lost the truth, that never walked away. And I think that's so important that our people see it can be done. Can I give you a pointer on how I did that? Absolutely. How God had me do that? My freshman year of college was the first year that I read the Bible through cover to cover. Mm. Any pastor listening to this podcast, if you have a young person who's going to go away to secular college, ask them to pray about one issue. Ask them to pray about reading the Bible through their freshman year. Yeah. It made the difference in my life. While other friends of mine were backsliding and going to frat parties, I was reading in Genesis and Daniel and the Gospel (laughs) of Matthew. I became a deeper Christian my freshman year. Sophomore year, same thing, cover to cover. The first four years of college, I read the Bible through every year, cover to cover, for those four years, four times. Wow. I think that's very uh, great insight to help us on that journey. I would say... It has become my position as a pastor. This is the stand that I take. The majority of secular universities are nothing more than secular temples. Yeah. Promoting idols. Mm-hmm. Idolatry is rampant. Mm-hmm. Know that going in. If you're going to go, know that going in, you're going to go and be around worshipers and priests and priestesses that they're, they may not call them that. They may call them professors and educators, but really their goal is to indoctrinate, not to educate. Yeah. And so your mindset has to know that going in. The other thing is that if you can get the education you need and still live at home, do it. When, do it. When because you're 18, 19, you're not 40. No. no your system of thinking is a little bit different than a 40-year-old as well. That's the truth. And we've watched them here that have left our, our our church and gone to some of these secular temples. And today their thinking is so diluted and it polluted is. by paganism. It is. And to every 18, 19-year-old that just heard me make that statement, let me walk this back because I was once an 18, 19-year-old. I'm not attacking the youth. No. Mm-hmm. What I'm warning you about is there are people who 
don't have your best interest at yes, heart. Sir. Your family, yes. your loved ones, the church, your pastor, the ministry, they do want the best for your life. Yeah. They're not trying to control you, but somebody in the university wants to control mm-hmm. you so much. They want you to leave your religion, yes, your, sir. your parents, and every item of belief and change to make yourself yes. more like them. It's almost cultish in that sense, but it, it also varies by major too. I got to say that too. It sure yeah, does. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We have a close friend, and I was actually his youth pastor for just a short time. Then he graduated, and he is actually going to a very pristine college right now uh, in the level of pharmacy. Yeah. And he said, he came back, and he said, college is a different animal. Simply because he was having a class, again, in the realm of pharmacy. They got on the topic of abortion. The teacher brought this up. And it was for nothing, and he spent quite a long time, I can spare the story, but he spent time saying it was nothing but that she was trying to indoctrinate pro-abortion. And the powerful statement, depend, once again, depending on the major, if you're in right. sociology, philosophy, mm-hmm. psychology, history. Yes, sir. You have this person that's your professor, and if you disagree, you're in danger of making an F. Right, yes, sir. <laughs> or a C, True. and you want your GPA to remain high, so there is a conformity pressure. Yes, sir. There's not peer pressure. This no. is not peers. No. This no. is your, your teachers and professors. So yes. There's that element there that, that is significant and real. Yes, sir. On the flip side, I must tell you there are many secret Christians in universities who are simply, mm. by pressure from their, their peers, their other faculty members in a department, right. may be pressured to keep silence in their true beliefs. They may be a conservative Christian, but never tell you. Never yes, tell sir. you, yeah. 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 Found many of those. What I find so interesting in the world of intellectual and college, especially, yeah. and if I'm ignorant, you know, please forgive me if this is something, because it was yeah. something I never did, but how fast the mindset if I could blanket statement, the idea of college was years ago, you know, however many decades it was, we went to get an education to go into the workforce to perform. Then perhaps in the 60s and 70s is go to college to think whatever you want to. Free thinking, involve this, you know, find what you want to do. Yeah. To where now, again, it's one of those things where it's a mom mentality. Again, a blanket statement, right. and if I'm wrong, forgive me. There are special instances where that's not the case, but it is. They're trying to create a mob to all think the same, to all be the same. Right. And let me let me give both sides of this. I don't want the listener to, to believe and walk away scared to death of going to college at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. Sure. Many good people go to college and walk away very good Christians, deeper in their walk with God. Many good people go with training and degree preparation to have a good career in business or one of the hard sciences. Right. It's not a, a monotone uh, slate. What you have is you have a, a menagerie of different experiences that can mm-hmm. happen to you. And it, a lot of it depends on, number one, your friends you surround yourself with. That's yes, good. sir. Your professor is only a certain number of hours a week. Who you surround yourself with matters. Yes, sir. In college and in life. Yep. Things come. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and the uh, second item I would say is keep some kind of hard tie to home base, mm-hmm. whether yes. that's a home church locally or if you're living locally in, with your parents, with somebody who can keep you sane. Yes, sir. A little bit. Remember real life. Right. Yeah. There is a time after college. Because they really are a lot of college. And again, we're, we're not trying to yeah. make this a blanket statement. I was in college for 10 no. years myself. I mean, yeah, exactly. There, there is a... There is a, a mindset that happens in college to a lot of people, and David talked about it being a mom mentality. Yeah. But this whole anger mm-hmm. that is possessing this this college age that is today, and you look at them, if they go to some place and they're, they're trying to, uh, they can't just sit down and talk and talk with you about the facts or about, you know, let's have a discussion. It's anger. It's such hostility. Right. And, and sometimes I just want to say, man, who made you so mad? Mm-hmm. Why are you so smart? If, you're, if your <laughs> life is so great and grand and you're being this and being that and, and p- picking this lifestyle and that lifestyle is so great, why are you so angry if somebody else disagrees with you? Right. Live your life and be happy. I love it. I heard a, I heard a radio a program in American Family Radio in Detroit years ago in my college years. And this uh, this one speaker on the radio interview was describing parenting, totally different subject it would seem. And this uh, parental counselor was saying, we must give our children vitamin N 
for the letter N for no. Mm. So you must tell your children no. And I feel like in this discussion about different opinions, sometimes one side is missing vitamin N, <laughs> the, the word no. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. You, f- you find the maturity level of a human being when you tell them no. Right. Wow. Are they still at yeah. the goo-goo-ga-ga level right. uh, yep. of argument, or can mm. they be told no and simply, okay, and process that, mm. digest mm. that? Right. About how does somebody react when your opinion does not perfectly align antiseptically with their opinion? Yeah. Mm. Well, that shows the maturity of people in general, not just yeah. even spiritual thinking. Was, I feel like personally that our culture and our generation has lost the idea that we can disagree and still get along. Yeah. Which affects our ability to dive deep into some of these Bible subjects that we're discussing yeah. yes, right sir. here. Yeah. How it applies theologically to all of it is that because of that, then there become these subjects we're afraid of discussing because if someone may interpret some mm. verse differently about the timing of the rapture or what yeah. what, what you, you what you use right. for communion, exactly. <laughs> another example right there, one of the yes. old arguments, yes. then we're almost afraid to broach those subjects. Right, and, and right. I do think that that we sometimes. Even in the apostolic ranks, we, we we get along to get along. Yeah, because if we start talking, where you can watch this on Facebook on yes. ministers forums and things like that, where you know if you don't believe what I believe, and there's a big battle, a big war. You know, let it go. That's why Paul wrote Romans fourteen. That's why he said, "You believe this day is holy, and you believe that that day is holy. You're both right." <laughs> get along mm-hmm. you know it, and i think that sometimes that's hard for for people to do but um sometimes we get in a problem that we get over again we were discussing this you were saying we get so involved with our petty disagreements that yes. we forget we're still a part of the same body yes we still have a same mission and goal in mind yes and you see this in all these discussions here if i'm arguing for two hours about pre-trib mid-trib post-trib and somebody in the other room is addicted to internet pornography mm. or to marijuana or mm-hmm. alcohol. I am arguing about how many angels are dancing on the head of a pin right. while they're dying of sin over there in the other room. Yes, sir. I've missed the plot. Yes, You've sir. Lost the plot. Yes, yes sir. Yeah. I th- I think that that uh, I've seen a shift in the years uh, that I've been in ministry. I've seen a shift more than once where it was like like eschatology was the big. Yes. Big thing we're going to talk about. Then all of a sudden, it's the oneness of Godhead and Jesus' name, baptism, and, you know, those that becomes a focus. Mm-hmm. I think there's ebbs and flow. And then there is Christian life, dealing with, you know, all kinds of family, marriage, children. It may be because I'm a pastor I see it that way. But um, I see a shift right now from what I'm feeling and those that I'm talking to of understanding the power of dominion in God's kingdom and seeing what the church is really called to the depth of operation and, and taking authority because if we don't learn to take authority over these little things in our life, how are we going to handle the devils that we're going to see f- in the years right. ahead, which right. are coming out more and more? Right. And the first, the first absence of authority is the authority over the tongue, bridling our words, mm-hmm. being careful in our speech. Mm-hmm. I can do that in public, but when somebody, an internet troll, gets mm-hmm. on you on Twitter and rips into you and calls you names, right. you want to get on there and respond to that tweet. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, sir. You want to bite back. Yeah. And then, yes, sir. then there's a Holy Ghost gut check, isn't there? Like, right. yeah, am I a Christian all? Also on Twitter and Facebook and yes. all those uh, mediums yes. of social media. Right. Well, and we get into this process. You were saying that it goes through ebbs and flows, what the popular topic is, and you feel it bleeding into dominion. Personally, what I believe it is because the church is starting to get tired of being the quote-unquote sleeping giant. Yeah. In Amen. modern culture, the church has been silent to a yes. degree. Yes. But n- never before in modern history has evil and just a straight out abomination been so prevalent being pushed by our media being yes. pushed by Hollywood mm, is getting yes. so nasty and that's why I think Dominion is getting because the church is getting tired of being the sleeping giant well, I think we're ready to step I, out I really think you're on to something there David about where we are and that is we talk a good game a lot of times mm-hmm. but we don't diagnose a good name, game 
Yes. Okay, we can talk about having authority over the spirits, but what are we really ba- battling? And I have found it r- rather uh, incredible that, uh, first of all, we taught the series here in the church on the seven churches. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like you buy a new car and then everybody else is driving that same car. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of, I've seen a lot of podcasts and preachers that are doing the same thing. Apostolic, seven letters, seven letters. And when we begin to dive into that, and all of a sudden we begin to see the spirits behind all of this right. that are coming up. Yeah. Okay, these spirits that have been maybe held back by uh, uh, some moniker of Christian ethics that has been in our country for years. And in it, it, it we're, we're, we're following the pattern of Europe. Yes. We're yes, following we the pattern of Europe. Okay. And years ago it was in Europe, but it didn't, and now it has kind of like sweep is sweeping our way. But I think God is preparing his people Amen. to know how to recognize, Oh, that's God is so-and-so. Oh, that is this old formal deity that opened up itself that way. So whatever spirit is behind it, that's, you know, Jezebel is mentioned in Thyatira and all these other things that I think he wrote the the seven letters to say, get ready. This is what you're going to battle. But in every one of them, he said to him that overcometh. A battle plan. Right. Yeah, a battle plan. And that's what our series has been about is getting the battle because every church has three things. Mm-hmm. Every church has three primary things that we talk about. One is they have a presentation of Jesus Christ. Jesus introduces himself to the church and tells him who he is. Right. It always has to relate to whatever that church is going through. Mm. The second thing is that he he Jesus. reveals a problem in the church. Mm-hmm. And I think Philadelphia is the only one that has a potential problem. But just about every church either has a problem or a potential problem. And but there's, they, but there's two types of problems. There's the problem within and yes. the problem without. There's a problem. Either it's a problem in the church like Thyatara, you've got a Jezebel in there, or like Pergamon, that you've got all this outside influence or Ephesus or mm-hmm. wherever, wherever it is. But I believe that the Lord is saying, and the last thing is that he gives to every church is a promise. Mm-hmm. If you overcome, and the promise always deals with whatever it is they're dealing about. Mm-hmm. You know, I know David was talking about the crown there in Smyrna. In, in Smyrna mm-hmm. That crown, he says, well, the Smyrnas, they worshipped with a crown related to their God, mm-hmm. kind of like the ball players, ball teams today. You got your hat. This identify, Their crown that they wore identified them with their God that they're worshipping. But Jesus said, I give to you, those that overcome, a crown of life. Of life, what is he saying? It's a slam against mm-hmm. the devil, right. and what what that worship was. So I think there's going to be a a a real sensitivity to the spirit world that isn't wacky, mm-hmm. that isn't all about glorifying the flesh or the person that's being sensitive, but it's about equipping this church, this last day church, right, with identifying, recognizing, and casting out the spirits that we're going to be facing. Amen. Mm-hmm. The role of the supernatural in general, I do feel is increasing in the modern church, I must say. Yes, sir. When you read the modern, when you read the New Testament letters in the modern day, you see more of the same spiritual battles like you're talking about. Yeah. I'm also seeing more miracle testimonies in Amen. the modern yes, church era. Amen. I, hear, I do hear more stories of prophetic dreams and angelic manifestations. I, I see more of New Testament first century Christianity yes. mm-hmm. in this day. I'm not in the category of people that's going to bash the young ministers. That's no, not sir. me. No. I see people hungry for God who want a deeper move of the Amen. Holy Ghost and revival atmosphere. Sure. Well, and I think that ties into, you spoke a little bit about it last night during revival that you know we preach on the spirit of Jezebel. Yes. We preach against the spirit of Jezebel. What I think it was uh, a powerful thing, the Bible says mark them. Right. Mm-hmm. When we can name the, the spirit that is attacking us, again, like Dad, you were saying with the church, uh, seven churches, and I, I know this is a bonus episode, and, but yeah, we're still talking about this because uh, it's yes. eating us up. Sure. But when we can dive into what's going on culturally and what they're worshiping in their idols spiritually in those seven churches, when we can name that, 
you can see it in today's world. Yes. And because now we can name what that spirit is, we know how to overcome it because now we can go back to Revelation mm -hmm. and see this is what that church dealt with. This is what Jesus did, told them to do to overcome that. That's a spirit of Dionysus. This is how I overcome yeah. it. You know, yes. when we talked about Dionysus in, in our um, last, is our last podcast? Pergamum. Pergamum, okay. When we talked about Dionysus, and Dionysus is the, the god of, of partying and wine. Drinking and, and all that, yeah. But it's also the god of theater. Ah. Because Dionysus wore a mask, mm -hmm. and their worshipers wore a mask. Ah. That's where we get the theater mask from. Ah. I believe not all entertainment is, is mm -hmm. wrong. But I'm I am of a firm believer that there's a connection. Entertainment is a major mouthpiece, not just a mouthpiece. It is an open, gaping, <clears throat> artesian mm -hmm. well of of poison yes, that sure comes is. from the same spirit that Dionysus has. It normalizes sinful lifestyles. It does. Yes, sir. Yes, and, sir. And you can see it. Like, oh, I'm watching this. Oh no, there's that spirit. Right. Off it goes. It's, it's very important, I believe, for us to be able to identify, okay, this spirit works through entertainment, right. drinking, mm -hmm. alcohol, partying, mm -hmm. carousing, and also uh, riotous living, a riot, mm -hmm. rioting. They had, they had festivals. That, uh, again, Saturnalia and all those, yeah. They had a mm -hmm. festival that they would go, that, that, that these people that worship Dionysus would go around and bash people in the head. Mm -hmm. Goodness, just violence. Mm -hmm. It's such violence, and all of this is tied together: the violence of theater, the violence of entertainment, and there's a spirit behind it. Well, you see the same kind of events today, don't you, with the rioting spirit we've had in the country exactly. the last yes, several sir. years? Exactly. Yes, sir. You see the same tricks of demons and the devil, I believe, yeah. in our modern America. And and we're not a we're not saying protests shouldn't be oh, yeah. given, but uh, if it's violent and there are people being killed and mm -hmm. hurt yeah. and destroyed property, that is a spirit that needs to be broken. Right. right. I, I read about one protest at some point in the last couple of years where a man, like, actually, he had a business, and he was actually the, the person, he, he belonged to the demographic that they were protesting for, but the, the protesters destroyed his mm -hmm. business and, like, broke all the windows out. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's like you, you've just yeah. defeated the ethicality. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway. Well, and if I can pull a thread Violence, that, that, yeah. that connected all these topics together is we wouldn't know this if we did not truly research the Bible. Yes. Right. We wouldn't know all of these things in the seven churches of Revelation. We, and, and like I, I was uh, bragging on Brother Reveille is he has that ability to, I can read a passage of scripture 70 times yeah. and miss what he just preached did on. You, did, you, did, did you miss the tribe of Dan? Ever in reading Revelations? Every time. Every time. I, I've been but preaching I didn't notice for, that they weren't there. I've been preaching for almost 50 years, and I have never heard that. God and showed me that in the scriptures years ago. <laughs> I was reading through the list of tribes. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Joseph's well, double counted here. While we're saying this, yes. if you're listening to this podcast, go to the Medora mm -hmm. Pentecostal Church podcast. And it if up. it's not up now, it'll be up real soon. Mm -hmm. And that is the lost tribe? The missing tribe. The missing, missing tribe. tribe. Revelations chapter 7, verses yes. 1 through 8. It was a great yes, message. But, and the, it, but that's what it is. Yes. Is that when, and you were saying it, what are the parts of the word that we're missing? Mm-hmm. If we would have just read Revelations 2 just as it is, we would have missed it. But if we can dive deeper into it in research and in prayer, God would bring the light of Revelation yes. on it. Yes. There are things that are just eye skips in the Bible that if you're not careful, you miss something really powerful and mm. deep. Yes, sir. On this subject of modern cultural battles, I'm going to read one in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Okay. About the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. That's where it okay. all started. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. Mm -hmm. He did eat. It's a lot clearer in the Hebrew, but that phrase, with her, full stop, time out, Adam was with her Watch at you. the tree of knowledge of yes. good and evil yes, sir. and never said a word. Yes, sir. What caused the fall was not Eve, as in Adam all die. Mm. By one man sin entered the world, not yes. one woman. Adam, the silence of men brought sin and the participation mm. in that sinful act. 
The silence of men was the first act of rebellion, and the silence wow. of men is our modern cultural battle all across the male gender. Mm. Hell wants every mm. man to be silent. Yes, sir. Well, that goes to the feminization of men. Yes, sir. Is that as long as we can get men all messed up, it, 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 the real battle, I believe, today yeah. is over what a man is. Amen. I know we ask what a woman is, but I think it's over what a man is because if you got a man out of authority, mm-hmm. And out of alignment, that puts everybody in the household. Well, right. there comes two instances in the Bible that I comes to that. mind that there was a mass killing of babies. Yeah. Two points in Scripture. And both of them were because a deliverer was going to be born. Mm-hmm. The first being in Moses, yes. whenever Pharaoh said to kill all the male Jewish babies, yeah. so that the deliverer, who would be Moses, was born. The second time would be that of Jesus. They mm-hmm. tried to kill the masculinity mm-hmm. that was going to bring forth a deliverance. A deliverance. Yeah. That's good. Well, I, th- I think these are all just tremendous topics, and we could certainly go on for mm-hmm. hours. But uh, Brother uh, Reveille, uh Dr. Joel Reveille, uh, it is always an honor to sit down with Absolutely. you and, and uh, pick your brain, pick your brain, and talk. <laughs> and, and, this. and what you need to know, those of you that l- stayed with us and listened to this podcast, this was all just extemporaneous conversation. Mm-hmm. We were just talking as as the topics come up, just like we were sitting at a uh, Chili's and eating something. We've done that before. Yeah, we've done that (laughs) before. Free-flowing conversation. (laughs) Free-flowing, and we don't purport to know all the answers. Amen. And we're not trying to say that that we're all right. But let me just say this to you, if you're listening. Go study for yourself, Mm -hmm. and don't just listen to the certain denominational line and follow denominational commentaries. Yes. Begin to look at other places. Begin to, to branch out but only in the context of the word. You and I will learn a whole lot more if we understand things like when was this written, Amen. who wrote it. It's good hermeneutics, right. okay? It's, it's, it's what is this subject about? What does this word mean? And uh, otherwise we will take some scripture and make a false doctrine about it. But uh, it's great to be here with you. It sure was. Final thought for me as I would say, if any of you have never read the Bible through cover to cover, mm. open up. Mm-hmm. Begin at Genesis or alternatively begin at Matthew. Read the New Testament through yes. first and then start back at Genesis and read the yeah. Old Testament after that. Mm. But bottom line, read the Bible. See what's in there. You'll discover yeah. a whole brand new world of God's will yeah. for you. There's right? a reason why this culture yeah. hates the Bible. Mm-hmm. And they want to get rid of the Bible. Right. And they, they will say things like get rid of Romans 1 it's 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 archaic and dumb and no it's revelatory very relevant <laughs> yes, sir. very very relevant for today well we want to thank everybody again thank you brother Revely for being with us it's such an honor to have you again you have been a great friend not just of our family but of this podcast and so we want to say to all of our listeners please like share subscribe and leave a review we really appreciate those because and we believe here at kingdom link leadership only matters if it's passed on so pass it on today